Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. Really sad country songs. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. And we're back. Alright. Welcome in to Libservative Bourbon Banter. Are we on Is like 14? 14 now? I think we're yeah, on like 14. 14. He's Corey Walsh. And he's Dan Griffin, and we've done this 14 times. 14 times too many for lots of people. 14 too times <laughs> 14 times too many for Facebook because we're pretty sure all of our live videos are completely shadow banned. <laughs> Up to the bottom of the algorithm, down in the doldrums with the Alex Joneses of the world. Who, the I don't Steve even think is yeah. <laughs> Why? Because he said things about the vaccine. He said things he about the vaccine. And what are you thinking? What am I thinking? <laughs> you got to stop saying it. Facebook doesn't like that. Or Meta. That's what I was saying. We should maybe make the next Facebook Live uh, just. Boy, we sure love Facebook. <laughs> and We're going to love Meta even more. Yeah, just have just... that be the description. <laughs> Nobody will watch. <laughs> no, but get the algorithms will bump it up to the top. <laughs> what are these two idiots saying? They'll be forced to watch. We can, we, find a way them. we can find a way around the algorithms. We're probably going to have a little bit of an abbreviated show today. Corey and I have both had long weeks. Weeks. Corey's longer than mine for Oof. different reasons. Today is also my birthday, so I have oh, to... Oh, yeah, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, my whole week's been fucked, you know, and I don't know your actual birthday, but Meta, or Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, actually notified me it was your birthday, so... Son of a bitch. Happy birthday, Dan. Oh, thank you very much, Corey Walsh. I hope I'm not the first one, because that'd be a sad-ass birthday. <laughs> It's 5.21 p.m. Not even my mom has called me yet. <laughs> no, I've gotten plenty plenty of love, you know, f- you know, from from the peeps. Facebook. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> it's sad that, like, that's how people wish people happy birthdays now. Well, I think it's funny because, like, I feel like a lot more people get acknowledged for their birthday than in past because of the fact that Facebook does nudge everyone. That's true. It's like... HBD, Dan. I, I wouldn't have known it was your fucking birthday today. You never I, told me when your birthday was. I just love when you see that, when you see like all the happy birthdays on there. It's like, I haven't seen or spoken to you in like 15 years. <laughs> I don't We're even really know. Because there's some unwritten rule that like, out of politeness, we should be. <laughs> Isn't that I, weird that all of a sudden that that's what happened? Like, how that ingrained itself into society so fast that like, it's kind of like, uh, um, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of the good word for it. It's, uh, uncouth or like not so much uncouth, but it's like the opposite of nice, I guess. It's rude to not just add someone on Facebook if you met them a it couple took times. You 45 seconds to come up with rude. No, I was thinking of a better <laughs> word. I couldn't, so, but I didn't want the dead space. No dead space, bro. Stop trying, stop trying, st- stop trying to be such an educated human and just use I try to use I have a minimum of two syllables for every word in in my uh, oh it's what's oh damn I was gonna think of another big word can't think of it the the the, the enjoyment of speaking <laughs> such with an L I know that it's something about like liking to use words or something but whatever what you drinking over there a linguaphobe or phobe file it would be file a linguaphile is that a word 
It's not a linguophile. I'm gonna look it up. I just made one up that I thought sounded like it was, <laughs> it was actually a word. What if I said, "Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's." Yeah, I right get there. aroused by words. I'm a linguophile. I've I've told people that. Like, I'm sorry that my words. I've I've told people that. Like, I'm sorry that my words <laughs> sometimes get in the way in of some me trying cases, to prove a point. Sexual wordplay. There you go. You should hear me in the bedroom. I told you. All, at least four syllables. For I mean, you're word. not the only one. I mean, half, half, I shouldn't even say half. Probably 95% of the politicians we talk about just throw together giant word salads that mean absolutely nothing. It's like that, whole, uh, that Homer Simpson line. Right. You take forever to say nothing. Right. Well, I think that that's shallow and pedantic. <laughs> You asked what I was drinking. I am oh, drinking man. another old yeah, nation beer favorite, there? Greenstone, the American Pale Ale by wait, 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 I'm sorry. What was it again? Let me look. Old Nation. Greenstone. Oh, it's Old Nation. Hey, it's my birthday. I'm drinking some of my favorite beers today. It's the only thing, it's the only thing I do for I myself. You're going to get a little lit. Although Marissa did get me a, a 150 count. Uh, cooler humidor for my cigars, but I don't have anywhere near 150 cigars, so I gotta now I gotta pay a bunch of money to fill it. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, okay, I like linguophile better. Yeah, I think they mean <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. You just made it up. What's 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 the Webster's definition for loquacious? We're learning today. We're learning. Lo- yeah, loquacious. Oh, I'm sorry, linguophile. Loquacious is tending to talk a great deal, talkative, which is the whole premise of this show. But I like the word linguophile. So, what's your Webster's definition? I don't definition even know if that's linguophile? a word. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it is. That's why I was asking you. You're gonna make it up. Someone who is aroused in. by words. <laughs> Wait a minute. It might be a word. Wait. Linguophile comes from the Latin lingua or lingua, meaning tongue. Which in the this context a language and word lover according to dictionary.com. Yeah, how how unoriginal, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here drinking ample amounts of bourbon. I've uh, had a pretty rough week. My cousin recently passed away due to really shitty circumstances. And there's a lot more questions than answers right now. So I'm sure we'll be diving into that more in later episodes. But right now, it's just a little too fresh of a wound to talk about. Um, we we got have got there? to talk about what the hell happened in Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that leads into actually our red pill, red pill, blue pill. And it leads into our fucking oh, how woke is too woke. The, the talk of the town. <clears throat> so that's the what topic happened tonight. in Virginia? Here's what happened in Virginia. I'm just gonna give it. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Give it, I'll, yep. I'll, go, I'll go first. I'm gonna. Go, I'm gonna give, give it to you me straight. straight up. What happened in Virginia is exactly what everyone in the new media predicted was going to fucking happen in Virginia. Yeah, isn't that funny? The only ones that like are kind of taken aback are like the ones who just can't pull their heads out of their asses because of special interest and advertisements blocking their vision to the point where they can't actually have feet like any sort of. And then grasp you have of reality. You have- you have people, <laughs> that you have people asking on social media questions, like like <laughs> stupid questions that they think are like hot take questions. Like have have the have the Democrats screwed themselves in twenty twenty two? 
Dude, not a hot take. Yes. Yes, they have. <laughs> they said they gone too left with the fucking Republican Biden. Yeah. <laughs> and Coppola Har- Coppola, Harris. Officer Harris. <laughs> yeah, Officer Harris. This wasn't this wasn't difficult to predict. I mean, people in in the new media that actually know what they're doing, they do far better job than a CNN or an MSNBC or a Fox News. I've called this for months. I listen to Crystal and Sagar a lot. I know you do too on Breaking Points. Check them out if you actually yep. want news. Oh my gosh, the Reason Roundtable, Crystal and Sagar, Jimmy Dore. Um, Jimmy Dore's a little polarizing. I love just... him, but I know people that don't like him for specific reasons. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he's my uh, he's my outlet for like super left because he's uh, a leftist that makes outlet. sense. And then and then when yeah. you bring up his yeah, talking yeah, points, yeah. sometimes like I don't know if you've ever been on Twitter, but you'll like you'll see people that'll respond with like these ad hom uh, fucking responses. Like we get it, you listen to Jimmy Dore as if like that's a statement. <laughs> right. You know what cracks me up too is when you look up the media bias chart. Is he's like so far left on there. But he, but but like he doesn't give a fuck because he's self admittedly like a. Leftist. But he's an actual leftist. He's not like. He- yeah, he's not a neo-lib. He's not like a lib. Or he's not into like woke identity politics. He's he's a fuck. He actually leftist. wants like leftist policy. He doesn't want to talk about and, and this and this will get we'll get back into what happened in Virginia. This actually ties into it. Yeah, policy yeah, he, versus he, he doesn't want to talk about bathrooms. He doesn't want to talk about critical race theory. He doesn't want to talk about uh, all all of the culture war bullshit issues. He doesn't want to sit there and talk about how evil Trump is. You know, he, he wants to talk about the actual leftist policies that he actually believes in that might actually help people, which I think is kind of what we try to do on this show on this show as well. It's, it's sometimes it can be yeah. tough. Cut to the bullshit. Cut to the bullshit. Let's do shit that's actually going to help people. Now, how does that tie into Virginia, Corey? Pretty easy. Go ahead. Oh, so, yeah. Was it? Oh, man. I, so it's Youngin, Young, Youngkin V. McClough? <laughs> I always forget his fucking name. Terry just McAuliffe. <laughs> McAuliffe. This is going to be a running joke. Is, is Corey's difficulty with names? <clears throat> oh, yeah. My, Glenn I, Youngkin. with names. That Glenn Youngkin anonymity. defeated the <clears throat> Democratic incumbent for the governorship of, of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe. Now, here's why it's a, sh- here's why it's a shocker to, uh, to a lot of people. It's based on the polls. Uh, Newsom, was it? Not Newsom. Uh, it starts with an N. It's another name I can't remember. He was the governor before McAuliffe. He won by nine points. Biden won Virginia by 10 points. Is it Norfolk? Norfolk? Something like that. Uh, I think Norfolk's actually a city. There's a college there. But but yeah, so like a state that was had some a lot of blue blood in the veins. And then a short one year later, after the election where Biden won by 10 points, it turns red. Yeah, and it's... So what I my question is is that a bellwether for the midterms because I think so. I don't know that it's uh, Ralph Northam. I think is who you're thinking of. Yeah, Ralph Northam. Yep, that's the one. I think he won. Yeah, he yeah, won by nine it's, points. It's uh, it's totally a it's in the Commonwealth. It's totally a bellwether. And this was like this was like one of the hot takes that like you know certain conservative pundits were throwing out there as if they were like giving a hot take or some sort of great news of you know oh wow. 
the gubernatorial race has gone to the Republican. Is this a sign of things to come for what's going to happen at the, in the 2022 midterms and maybe even for 2024? Yeah, and we all could have called it. Like this isn't this isn't hard to figure out. Terry Right. And they're they're seeing it, but they're not seeing it for what what it is. They're seeing it because they think I mean, obviously Biden is trash and it's really funny because when you look at Biden, no one ever really liked him. They just like Trump less. He doesn't have any voters that are going to crawl over glass to vote for him like an Obama, a Reagan, a JFK, a Trump. He's just it's like, oh, fuck Trump. <laughs> I guess I'll vote for this guy. Dude, Blue, that no matter is, who. That, that's where and this that, is and here's you. the thing, like I'm not gonna say this as if like I'm touting like the way Republicans handle their business as being better, but like the Democrats are in power right now. So it's just it just happens to be their mm-hmm. turn to fall on their face. And lose a bunch of elections because they're mm-hmm. going to run on identity politics. They're going to run on. Uh, they're going to run on race. They're going to run on Trump is evil. They're going to run on. Uh, How'd that work out? out? Great, but I actually when, when I was listening to to. Uh, I'm talking oh, about Virginia. today or yesterday. It would be or the day before. Yeah, I'm talking about in Virginia. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it didn't work Virginia? at all. And and the only reason it worked in 2020 was because. Trump is a spe- he's just a special figure in American history on top of the fact that we were in the middle of a pandemic you know and and still and still Joe Biden only won by 40,000 votes that's something the democrats don't want to admit yeah Joe Biden ran Joe Biden ran on a platform that he was going to build back America and he was going to make and he everything also just normal didn't campaign by the way make everything normal <laughs> He didn't campaign. Uh, yeah, that too. The less he spoke, the better. He was like, we always say he was one breath away from making a racial slur. Um, it's not, we're not back to normal. You know, we're still, we're forcing mandates on people. Uh, the masks are still happening. Whether you disagree or agree with the mask, it's a very politicized thing. Um, we're not back to normal. Inflation is high, which... You get like there's so many finite details in all of this stuff that doesn't fall on the shoulders of Biden, and we know that. This it's right now it's it's basically it's more or less transitory uh, inflation. When you look at core CPI ver- core versus CPI, it's the bottleneck shit that's really really hurting us. It's because of everything jumping back really really fast, and it's also <clears throat> workers demanding so, uh, refusing to work their shit jobs anymore. Like that, that is part of it. And yeah. um, just as a little side note, I know we mentioned at the end of the last episode that we have a great idea for season two. That's actually going to be part of, of what we're going to do in season two, which is actually talk to the people on the ground that are experiencing these issues and part of it. And so we, we, we should be able to get to the bottom of, you know, why this is actually happening, whether you, how much you can blame Joe Biden or not. I, I don't know if you were finished or if you would, if I had just like, Ruined your train of yeah, thought. Yeah, it's basically yeah, that's kind of where I was. No, that's kind of where I was going with it. It's uh, Biden promised he didn't. It's weird. He didn't make any big promises. He just promised to get us back to normal, and he also promised a bunch more, trying to be the new FDR. And neither of those have happened. His his uh, uh, approval ratings are in the fucking tank. They're about as bad as Trump's were. 
But what's different is, is it's across parties. It's across independents, Republicans, Democrats, everything, where Trump always had that base. Because remember, he'd always talk about, I got a 90% approval of Republicans. And like Sagar said today, like, oh, that's great. But what about the rest of America? Real quick, I have to make a correction. I don't know why I keep I keep doing this because I just feel like he should be the incumbent. Terry McAuliffe was not technically the incumbent. He was a uh, he was the governor up until 2018, and now he was running again. That's what it was. So I screwed. Oh, okay. So it was. It yeah, was. I screwed uh, that up. Them. I keep doing that. I know that's not the case. And I think the, and I think the state law. Yeah, I think the state law in uh, Virginia is they get like what one or two terms or something. I don't know exactly what it is. And there's some weird state law to where, like, the reason I just why keep he calling him the incumbent, even though in the back of my mind, I know he's not actually the incumbent. The Democrats, yes. the Democratic Party yeah, yeah, yeah. was the incumbent party. But yeah, yeah th- this, th- <laughs> the, uh, the fact of the matter here is that it's just another cycle. And we've seen this since two, at least 2008. You could, yeah. Oh, hey, real quick. I'm sorry. I just got a text. Uh, uh, at this point, I was going to call him our Democratic correspondent, yeah. Kevin. Uh, he just said that he liked your uh, conspiracy theory Ooh, monologue. And he didn't like the one before. <laughs> <laughs> See, we can but all like be friends. One. We can all You're be on friends. Yeah, he said it was... Yeah, he said uh, he put a lot of work into it, and it was thought-provoking. And by the way, I don't think yeah. Oswald acted alone. That's the important part. No, I still, th- I still think it was Secret Service. That, that was the part everybody was waiting for as I was reading that monologue last last week. Was does he does he think Oswald acted alone? I gotta know. I gotta know. That's the only reason people stayed <coughs> tuned in. <coughs> right. I still think it was Secret Service. Bang, like bang. I said in the end, no one, yeah, no one wants to believe it. But uh, where where the hell were? We? Oh yeah, the no, this is what Sorry. we do on the show. Uh, so Joe Biden, um, <laughs> it, it's really really simple to figure out how he won. Why he won? Uh, the uh, as as Jimmy Dore calls them, the shit libs don't want to admit why he won, how he won, or even how much he won by right. Because we we had you know the the, the whole uh, Trump calling voter fraud, which was a disgrace in and of itself. But then you have establishment. Isn't it funny how voter fraud isn't being said right now for Virginia because Republicans won. You know, you know, I will say this. That's a Trump thing, but the Democrats did have this interesting way in in uh 2016 of going, well, you know, the Russians oh, God the Russians, Russians. and win and it's Sputnik. Sputnik's overhead fucking mind control. Yeah, so that, that's really just a Trump thing. The Democrats have a better they're kind of more they're kind of more savvy about how they claim that the other side cheated. So we might see in a few days <laughs> how Glenn Youngkin actually may have kind of quasi cheated in this election. I'm I'm waiting for it. <laughs> it was Jeb Bush and the hanging chads. <laughs> but either way, which is actually, I think, a legitimate thing. It was. But, uh, but either way, like, yeah, it's it's easy to see how Biden won and, and how uh, how it's easy to see how close it actually was and the reasons for why he won. And it was literally because literally just because it was Donald Trump, in my opinion, in my opinion, it was because of Donald Trump and because of covid. I don't think and honestly, I don't even know that if there wasn't a pandemic going on at the time that Trump 
completely botched and had no idea how to handle. I don't know that Joe Biden would have won that election. Corey, we're talking about 40,000 votes across right. six districts. Well, did – I mean, so it got super politicized, and his handling of the way he talked about the COVID – let's – you know, I hate giving Trump credit. He's such a piece of shit. <laughs> God, I hate that man so much. And mostly, like, it's not even about the, t- the tweets. It's just – Right out the gate, he tried to attack the Great Lakes, and I was like, that's just a spot in my heart mm-hmm. that's just so precious. So I was like, you know what? Immediately, I was like, fuck you. But uh, not to get off on a tangent, um, when we talk about COVID, if you take away all the bullshit and all the politics and everything he said, everything he did put us on the track for this ridiculously fast rebounding economy that now we're seeing bottlenecks for because nobody believed him it would happen. He said that there would be vaccines available for everyone by April and nobody believed him. We had Kamala Harris and Biden saying they weren't going to take his vaccine. And all of that shit happened. And then maybe, and you know what? It's probably Trump's fault. He was such a bullshitter and such trash that like people like immediately felt like they had to, not listen to him, but if they would have just maybe listened to him a little bit, maybe we wouldn't have the and, and that's that. and that's just it, Corey. The, the fact that when you when you spew ninety eight percent bullshit, and that and and no yeah, that that two percent that's accurate, nobody's gonna believe. And it's, it's his a, own damn fault. And absolutely. it's his own damn fault. And then he ran a piss poor campaign in twenty twenty. All he did was double down on his own base and just keep having these rallies just to make himself feel good, not reaching out to any new person to vote for him. And then he just had people standing on corners with signs saying Trump. And then he told people not to vote because it was rigged with the absentee (laughs) ballots. What a way to go. And then he didn't even learn his lesson because then he did it again in Georgia. (laughs) Fucking moron. You know what, Corey, though? Like, everything you just said. the moron credit. That... That actually speaks to my point of why I don't I'm not going to sit here while it's while it's time for the Democrats to fall on their face just because they're in power. It's like it's their turn. So I'm not going to give Republicans any credit. Like, it's not like it's not like they've earned our votes either. Right. Like, so Democrats had this ability to just be like, okay, well, I'm not Donald Trump and I'm not a Trumpist and everybody needs to come vote for me because it's going to be death to America if he gets a second term or if anybody that supports him gets in office. And you know what? It galvanized people enough. They fucking tricked me, Corey. I went out and fucking voted for Joe Biden and and, and some, some not so savory Democrats anymore just because I was, just because I hated Donald Trump. And I don't necessarily regret that decision because, look, I am glad Trump's not president anymore. Like, don't don't get me wrong. Like, there is at least that one tiny silver lining. But it was after the 2020 election that I went, oh, I can't keep I can't. Well, keep, now what? Yeah, I can't keep living <laughs> this way because I knew in my heart of hearts that the Biden, the Biden administration, the Biden administration wasn't going to do fucking anything. And that's 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 what we're experiencing right now. And Virginia is just the first domino. It's just politicians right. running on, I'm not Trump, I'm less evil, uh, you know, uh, uh, trans rights are important, bathrooms are important, critical race theory is important, and not actually right. delivering on no anything that people actually fucking care about. And you know what's going to happen? Right. The Republicans will take over, they'll take power between 2022 and 2024, 
Increase the deficit. And we will have the same fucking <laughs> thing happening five years from now or eight years from now. So when you say yep. that, you know, when somebody like Corey goes out and votes libertarian, oh, you wasted your vote. Well, I think now we should be able to start to see that when you go out and you vote for these two shit parties that don't actually do anything for you, maybe you're the one wasting your vote. Maybe 150,000 American or million Americans every four years are going out and wasting their votes because they're the ones that don't get it. Or because they're afraid. Yeah. They're so afraid of the guy in the other seat. Well, well, I don't really because you hear that all the time. Like, oh, I didn't really like Joe Biden, but I really am afraid of Trump. How many times did you hear that? It's just you got to stop thinking yeah. that way. We can't hey, keep man, living this way. Know. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and Trump didn't put us into actually. He actually didn't put us in any new wars. He <laughs> Project Warp Speed. Here's a here's a tough question for you. I would never here's vote a tough for him question again. for you. Right now, here today, November 4th, 2021, give me a birthday present with this answer. If you had to choose who is president right now today, would you choose Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Can take I, a bullet. Can I take a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Say a name, Corey Walsh. I'm still going to I'm still I, I'll answer it. I'm coming, cousin. <laughs> I'm coming I'll to say see it. You, I, I would still like 51% would say that my 51% would say Joe Biden. So one thing that really, really put like one of the, like, the biggest nails in the coffin for Biden right now is the president. When it comes to foreign policy, the president is the leader, right? He's the one in charge. Good or ill, whether you agree with it or not, the president is the one that does the foreign policy. And that's going to affect mine in your life. We can agree with him or disagree with him, but he's the one that does it. He stepped, the only time he stepped up and said the buck stops with me was with Afghanistan. And then he goes on to CNN and they asked him if China invaded, was it Taiwan right, or Taiwan? It's got to be Taiwan. It's yeah. Taiwan. Taiwan. Yeah. The one that uh, yep. China says is theirs. <laughs> Could you imagine just saying, oh yeah, that country's mine. <laughs> well, we do it. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> So you kind of imagine. Ever heard of Puerto Rico? <laughs> yeah. Anderson Cooper goes, if China invaded Taiwan tomorrow, would we go to war to defend them? And Biden said, yes. Okay. All right. We know that that's our foreign policy now. That's what we're doing. The president said that. He's the one in charge. He's our leader. And then, like, what was it? The next day, Jen Psaki comes out and she's like, oh, well, it's, we're not necessarily saying this and that. And it's like, who the fuck is the one pulling the strings <laughs> then? Yeah. At least with Trump, we fucking knew. We, I hated everything he did with foreign policy, but I at least knew that's what we were doing. What's being done behind closed doors with this guy when he's falling asleep? Like, when he just falls asleep, like, the way, like, you just saw him fall asleep at the mm -hmm. UN thing. Right? Mm -hmm. Did you see that? fucking fell asleep during it does that happen during the meetings when he's having Corey, are you afraid he's gonna and then he are just you falls he's asleep? gonna fall asleep and like fall over on the nuclear button just hit his fucking side of his head on it like as soon as you said are you afraid he's gonna fall asleep that's the punchline <laughs> i was gonna make and you beat me to it just uh, boom whoops oh, so what was that get putin on the phone uh right and say yeah, sorry uh vlad you uh, you may want to take cover. <laughs> yeah, or is he even going to remember the nuclear codes if we need them? You know what I mean? Like it's just it's 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 uh it's 
I get it. It's concerning. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think, I mean, yeah, I would probably still take a bullet if I had to choose between them two again. Is the third party option still available? Let me feel that Johnson again. Give me that Dr. Dr. Joe. Fucking give me Vermin Supreme. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take a free pony over these two ass clowns. You know who Vermin Supreme is, right? Should I? Oh, man. All right, so I'm going to talk him out a little bit. Just Google him real quick. Google image him. You, as soon as you see it, you'll recognize it. So he was the guy that was running in the Libertarian Party, and his platform was uh, free ponies for everyone. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember just, this guy. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll vote for him. <laughs> the boot on his head. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a joke because he knows our politics are a joke, so that's his whole thing. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to take your guns and give you better guns. He was the one that, did you ever see the shit? Like, he kept trying to, he kept harassing every Democratic candidate saying, debate me. And, like, yelling it. Like, standing up during their little town halls and shit. And, like, he fucking was standing in the road. And Elizabeth Warren was trying to leave a town hall. And he was, like, blocking her car from leaving, going, just yelling, debate me! Debate me! And then my girl Tulsi brought him up on stage with them and stuff, and they were just bullshitting about actual real policy. Yeah, I can't get my. I, I saw I that. That my, was nice. I can't get nice my thing mute to, there. I can't, I can't get my thing to work. I can't. For some reason, I can't get the input to work into whatever. I don't care. Worry about. I was. I was gonna play. Were you trying to? Were you no, trying to do play, a Trump flip? I was gonna play Vermin. Oh, <laughs> talking about his ponies. <laughs> The free pony. What did he call it? The free ponies uh, program. You know what we're left like with, that? though? Pete versus Kamala 2024. I'm sorry, Kamala. Oh, yeah. Kamala. There I don't want to be racist. If you, if you, if you, do you hear that? If you say her name wrong, somehow that means you're racist. Is it? I don't know. Even if it's a Freudian <laughs> slip. So if I call her Coppola. Just call I'm her just Officer Harris. That way you don't have to worry about her first name. Officer Harris. Just... Locking up black people while laughing about smoking dope. Please hang me from my own ceiling if I have to choose between Pete Buttigieg and Officer Harris. Pete Buttigieg is just a Bernie, is a, uh, not a Bernie, fuck, an Obama. Flunky. Just without, uh, yeah, just an Obama without the, uh, the jive, the, the, uh, the coolness. But if you call yourself a Democrat and you don't vote for Pete, guess what? You're a homophobe. I love how he's in. I love how he's in charge of transportation and like all he did. Like the only transportation they have in fucking South Bend is a couple buses. <laughs> and now he's in charge of all of it. And then when it gets, and then when there's a crisis, he's like, oh, "I'm going on, uh, dude." Is it, leave, is guys? it more and more obvious that like all of these establishment Democrats and Republicans as well, all the neolibs and neocons, these, 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 that they are all just. They're such darlings of Wall Street that they're not even like trying to hide it anymore. Like you're gonna take a guy who is like who is the mayor of South Bend for like six months and make and make him your guy to run uh, to run the country. Like why? Why would you do that? Fucking I mean, you could dumb, even dude. say that about Obama because Obama was a junior senator, but at least Obama was charismatic and could speak and was intelligent. I mean, he's. And to give the guy credit, that's probably why his foreign policy was such shit. Edward Snowden said that on uh, Joe Rogan. He goes, you get these bureaucrats when you talk about the deep state. And, like, the deep state isn't these secret people pulling pulling strings behind the scenes. Well, I mean, they kind of are, but it's not like it's, like, Illuminati or something. 
It's just bureaucrats who have been there. They know the message that they're supposed to convey. They've done it to a president time and time again, and they outlast the presidents. So when you get this new guy coming in who's inexperienced in foreign policy, and these guys just use big four-syllable words mm-hmm. like I always try to do, <laughs> and they're like, well, listen, you know, this is what's going on. Trust me, I've been here for this long. You're going to believe them because they're experts. Like, trust me, I'm an expert. And so you you quickly fall into this little fold where there's these people that you think you're supposed to have as your advisories because you expect them to know this shit because they've been there for so long that they just twist you. And then when you're the president, on top to, to, on top way. of that, the the the, uh, the whipped cream on the shit cake is the fact that you have. 80 million things to worry about any given day. So you probably, there's probably times where the president just goes, yeah, yeah, we'll just, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, that's why they pick so many people in their cabinet because a lot of them are making the decisions. And that goes back to what I was saying about Biden is like, how many of these decisions are being made to where in his senile ass is like, huh? Is that what I said? All right, fine. We'll just go with that. Shall we go red pill, blue pill? We're getting, we're, we're 33 minutes in. I think we're making yeah. some time, Corey. Yeah. So uh, the red pill, blue pill I have is uh, because it goes back to McCall- uh, McAuliffe and Yunkin. I only got it because it's in the tab. <laughs> you have to um, read it to say it. <laughs> Spell it phonetically. So McAuliffe said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. He goes, I'm not going to let parents come to schools and actually take books out and make their own decision. McAuliffe said, I don't think parents should teach. Where Yunkin responded with, you believe school systems should tell children what to do. I believe parents should be in charge of their kids' education. So, in old Virginia, in the spirit of Virginia election, the red pill is, should parents have a say in what kids are taught? And the blue pill is, I don't think parents should have a say. And what is taught? What are you going with, Dan? This one's interesting because in in if if we're talking, it's it, kind yeah, of loaded. If we're, if we're speaking kind of semantically, loaded. they're actually kind of both right. Because I, I'll I'll swallow the red pill on this one though. When it, parents should be in charge of their children's education, but here's why I don't think it's a big deal that I'm swallowing the red pill because that's actually already kind of the case, right? Like. If you have the ability, you can pay for your child to go to private school. If you have the ability, you can homeschool that child. Like, Are you talking about school of choice? I didn't even say school of choice just yet, but yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, parents do have the ability to you know, choose what, they're, what their children are learning. They just can't choose. Yeah, especially because some cities they do, some districts that you vote. Your your count your uh, school board in, but I know what like I that. know what the question is and trying that. to do. It's trying to suggest, well, should parents have a say in what's taught in public schools, or, or not? not. Sorry, or not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to go with the red pill as well, only because like parents should at least have some sort of input. You know, like there's going to be outliers. There's going to be crazy parents who are going to come in and try to say things like we shouldn't be teaching critical race theory, which I guess I get I get being taken aback by that because of how politicized that is. But all that's really doing is just giving another light, another opinion on the history from a different perspective on what, what actually happened in our history, because you don't ever hear like the black community. Saying, well, how come 
uh, it's only the perspective of one person. They just kind of have to deal with it because they have no say. And so we should have more perspectives. It's better for people in their critical thinking process that, or we, yeah, we should have more say because in, in perspective of what is taught in our history, because I think it would only help people have a, uh, give people better critical thinking skills when it comes to actually looking at what happened in our history instead of being taught in 1492. Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. You remember that shit? They didn't tell you that he was shackled and chained and and fucking stripped of his fucking titles and shit because he treated people like trash. I think the only issue that I even really have with with critical race theory in in uh, in in general, the only issue I really have with it is as I feel like it's another thing that's been so politicized that it actually. It actually undermines black people in and of itself, in that because it, of the name, because it's, of the name it's is not a even the, just that. It's 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 <clears throat> it's the victim. It's the victimhood culture. It's the victimization of. Oh my God, you're black. You should feel this particular way. I, and I understand there there are going to be people that are going to hear that and go, "Well, that's a very Petersonian point of view," but it's like. You know, Peter Jordan Peterson. I don't agree with everything the guy says, but he's not a complete fucking idiot. And when he talks about, right. you know, victimhood culture and about how sometimes the way we talk about race in such a, a victimhood type of way actually undermines black culture and black people. With obviously without trying to, but like uh, that's ultimately what it does. When you're saying, "Oh my God, you're a victim." Well, it's like if if I'm if I'm right. a black it's, person, it's, right? And 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 I'm obviously I'm not, but I I know how it I know how it feels what? to be like to, to be looked at and go, oh my god, you're a victim. Like you know, in a small way, like say a girlfriend <clears throat> did something shitty to me in the past, and people go, oh my god, you poor baby, you're a victim. And I go, wait a minute, right? Because if you constantly treat someone like a victim. They're gonna have that victimhood mentality to where it's, they're gonna be apathetic because. Now, to be clear, I'm not. I am not comparing just, being broken up with by some bitchy girlfriend to what it's like to experience life in Black America, but that's yeah. Because we're gonna have a lot to say about that. Yeah, down but the pipeline. that's that, that's that's um, my example. I, it's like it. It can't feel good. I can't imagine it feeling good for people to constantly go around and go, "Oh my God, you're a victim, you poor baby." We're gonna make this right. Right, but let's not Ben Shapiro our history and leave out key points that like help develop. One hundred percent. Let's not Ben Shapiro. Did Christopher Columbus find? So we can can we Jordan <laughs> Peterson our history, but not Ben Shapiro our history? How about it? yeah? I guess so. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know what? Yeah, Christopher Columbus did come over here. He was up. He's the one that helped. You know, like why can't the book say this? Christopher Columbus is the reason why the trade routes were created to make living in America profitable that helped create the foundation of what America is today. And then in the very next sentence go, Christopher Columbus was also a genocidal maniac who had his uh, government ship title stripped from him and he was shipped back to Spain in shackles because he was such a piece of shit. Like, why can't our history be taught more broadly from other perspectives? And I get that's what... It's the dichotomy of yeah. Robert E. Lee. Why well, can't both be true? Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, like, and I think that like, it's just this terrible feedback loop that as soon as someone brings this stuff up, everyone tries to just 
put a quick title on it where the 1619 1692 1619 project, yeah or yeah 1619 project the uh the critical race theory let's not call it that let's not put divisive titles on it let's just incorporate real history into our history because we'll all be better for it because you know how much better we would be as 32 year olds when we talk to our friends about how different races are treated differently in our country and they're taken aback because all they know is oh christopher columbus 1492 sailed the ocean blue you know and like and then they go oh yeah you know you're right and then i also i read about tulsa it was fucked up I'm not racist. I think that's trashy. I had nothing you know to what? do with I, that. I just thought of something really and, interesting now that you say that. Because you're talking about like, you know, you're 32 years old and you're you're talking about history. You know, the 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue deal. Here's what here's what's been my experience. And I feel like this has been my experience ever since high school. Because uh, I've always been a history buff. I talked about it last week in my monologue going through the, the, the box with my grandma and finding the, the JFK newspaper. People that actually give a shit about history know all of it. You know, like what they teach in public school. Like I remember, you know, it it wasn't it wasn't nearly enough. You have to cram in so much. It wasn't nearly enough. But like I like we had to watch Roots in my seventh grade history class. Like it's not nearly. We don't. We definitely don't learn nearly enough Black history in public school. I will certainly admit that. But here's the thing: as somebody who's a history buff and enjoys history, and I think. If you talk to any history buff, this would be the case. We know that history because we go out and we seek that history because right. we are history buffs. If you don't give a shit about history, I can promise you whether you're taught black history or white history or whitewashed history or what, or the history we've always been taught in public schools, you're not going to remember it anyway. At the end of the day, if you're a history right. buff, you're a history buff and you're going to go f- seek this stuff out and you're going to find it. Yeah, it's our our school system is fucked. You know, it, it really is. We're doing ourselves a disservice. We all agree, like we learn a couple things. Let's be honest, that most of it doesn't really stick. And then all of a sudden, we're eighteen. We don't know how to balance a checkbook. We don't know that getting a credit card is important because it helps build your credit. A lot of poor families, like I, I grew up poor, and I remember being told, "Don't get mm-hmm. a credit card." And it's like, well, wait a minute. No, a credit card's important. That's what builds your credit so you can build wealth. You need it's credit a stupid to build system wealth when you don't have wealth to begin poor, with. Yeah. <laughs> it's dumb. It's really dumb. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just, we need to figure out a system. And it's funny because right now I'm in my accelerated business class. And, uh, and it's, uh, I'm learning right now about when systems get too big, they become inflexible and they become sluggish and they don't do what they're supposed to. And I think that's what a department of education is. Everyone's being taught everything in a vacuum, you know, no child left behind sounds great, but we're dumbing down the brightest kids because we're lowering the standards for the dumbest kids. I think we need smaller classrooms. I think that uh, our department of education should damn near like, have an oversight, I guess, but it needs to be chopped in half. We spend more money on education than majority of the countries in the world. And like 45th in the we, world. And uh, education. Why? Why? Throwing more money at it isn't going to work. We need smaller classrooms, more kids where they can spend more time on individual topics and things like that. And we just need kids to have more fucking. How about giving people with the real incentive to be a fucking educator? Right. I mean, and so that it goes to our question where another thing that a uh, young brought up that helped him win was school of choice. 
I have a lot to say about School of Choice because of the fact that, like, ultimately, school we saw what it did to Michigan. School of Choice does hurt the poorest students. But if child, if parents have an option of which school to bring their kids to, it creates a form of competition to where class, where schools have to have a return of investment, so to speak. Does that yeah. make sense? And like, so it's because maybe you get vouchers, more, more, more kids, you know, more like, funding. We know <clears throat> how that how that works. And 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 I know I've experienced yeah. this in in the school district that I grew up in. <clears throat> It's been in trouble for a while. It's a small town, uh, you know, maybe 500 kids in the high school in, in, in any given year when I was going there. And the the issue is less and less people are having kids. I don't know if people are realizing this, but like these numbers are actually starting to affect public schools because your funding is based on the amount of children that you have in that school and how often they show up to class. And I think that's fucked up. I think it's fucked I up. I agree, it's like that. but it's 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 what we have and it's hurting it's hurting school districts, even decent school districts like the one I came up in. Yeah, look at Detroit. School of School of Choice just fucking decimated the Detroit public school system. It's absolutely destroyed it. Now, kids that have a ride to go to a, go, you know, four miles down the road and things like that, and the the charter schools and things like that, it's great. But when kids don't have that access and like. There's supposed to be a school with a bus that comes and picks you up and gets you to a school system. Those are the ones that suffer. And it so what we have to figure out what to do is bridge, for sure. bridge. Yeah. We have to, we have to figure out a way to bridge that gap. Maybe not fund school systems and how much money people get based on property taxes. Like there's so many fucking faults in our system, but I don't think throwing more money at it is the issue is, is what it's going to never, it. that's never the answer. Just throwing money no. at it is never the answer. You know, we're going to talk about <clears throat> Elon Musk a little bit later. That's actually going to tie into that exact thing you just said. But before that, well, I'd like to get to what now. the people yeah, said. Okay. What did the redditors oh, say regarding yeah. this red pill, blue pill question? So there, as they never, they never disappoint, <laughs> and it's always a wide variety of views. <laughs> and uh, I, so I asked Reddit, should parents have a say in what is taught in their children's school? Why or why not? Someone said no. If you don't like what's taught at school, don't send your kids. Don't send your kids to that school. If parents were influencing curriculum, curriculums, we'd still be teaching. Creations, create. I'm sorry. No. If you don't like what's taught at school, don't send your kids to that school. If parents were influencing curriculums, we'd still be teaching creationism in public schools. Next person says, to a degree, yeah, but mostly no. A minority of parents whose kids are struggling shouldn't have the ability to cry for the slowing down of the curriculum just so their kids can keep up. A few parents who are religious shouldn't have the pro- have the power to ban yoga in schools over their fears that might convert their kids to Hinduism. <laughs> and I guess that happened in Alabama, and it was repealed earlier this year. Uh, because only <laughs> Hindus practice yoga. <laughs> Dude, what's really funny, too, is That's like when you look up- the dumbest thing I've ever like, heard of, I'm still laughing- I know. Like, but what's really funny about American Americanized yoga and like Hindu yoga? It's like two things that are completely fucking yeah, different. It, I mean, it's <clears throat> I've I've practiced. I haven't done it recently, but I've practiced yoga for a long time, and I could tell you that you know, it's I, I've seen uh, some Hindu friends actually do it, and it's very different from the way that I do it. But the the basics are still the same. Yeah. Right. Someone says, obviously, it's their kids. Yes requires no explanation. What? 
meh, maybe this, yeah, <laughs> meh, maybe to some extent, but it's been years since most parents have been in school. The way I see it, we have a new history, new technology, new discoveries, and frankly, I don't know enough of them to advocate teaching these things. I'd like to believe I could entrust that with the pros. I just know I wouldn't want my child to have the same education that I did. Um, I'm trying to find the one that I liked. Oh, parents absolutely should have a say. This is the one right here. I think this is my answer to. Parents absolutely should have a say. Doesn't mean they're always right. But if every parent was involved in the education of their child, maybe some actual discourses could be had over some of the more controversial subjects. Uh, regardless, though, every parent should be involved with their child's education. I don't think enough are. And someone said homeschool, bro. But yeah, it's like just because... Like, parents should be able to go in and say shit. It doesn't mean that they're right, but their input should be evaluated or valued. Yeah, I mean, I just... Like, me, like I, a running joke that we had, uh, you know, like, if you want to troll someone who's on the right, or not even necessarily the right, and you want to troll an educated person, tell them <clears throat> that the schools are trying to implement Arabic numerals. Yeah, very fair. Very fair. And people will lose their goddamn mind. So there's a certain point, yeah, where it's like, okay, I get what you're saying. We know you don't like the hydrogen monoxide. <laughs> and we know that Arabic numerals are going to indoctrinate your kids. But we're the professionals. But then that's, that's what's up to the school board to ex uh, explain that stuff better. And then maybe parents should be more involved in their children's education at home. What's, what's, what's silly is like, what's isn't going that on. why you have a school board? Like, isn't that why you have school board meetings? Like, and, and trust me, I know that like not all school boards are extraordinary, are very effective. Obviously, it's an unpaid position in most districts and it's, it's, it's really monotonous and really stupid and really tedious, but that's why you have these meetings. You can, you can see what's, right. it's, you can go in, you can see what's going on in the district. I mean, I remember, you know, this is, I mean, it's been, God damn, I can't believe how long it's been since I've been in school. Today's my 33rd birthday, folks. Uh, so I, I, I do remember, you know, Graduated what twenty one years ago, eleven <laughs> years ago, <laughs> not twenty one. <laughs> but I remember having to like sign a permission slip for sex ed, right? Like mom, mom had to sign a permission slip for that. There were certain movies or books that we were reading that that had to be, you know, permission slips had to be signed for, and and you know, so it's like, like it's, they've always kind of had a say, but it's just like. How far does it go, right? Like, how far, like, do we stop teaching the Civil War in history class because it might be perceived as racist? Like, wh like, where does, where does it stop? I mean, do we stop reading certain books in English class because they're a little bit provocative? Like, obviously, math is pretty fucking simple. That's pretty, that's not very touch and go. Even science, right. even yeah, science people could have an issue with certain things that are being taught in the fucking science class. Right. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because it's usually the conservatives that are actually trying to ban books like 1984 because it talks about sex because he bangs a girl in the bushes in the woods. It, that Dude, that's not the case <laughs> anymore. Like, To Kill a Mockingbird? Oh, yeah, they, they say the N-word. A hundred million times. But in the context of it Doesn't being matter. bad. Huckleberry Finn. Did, what happened? Did they say the N-word in Huckleberry Finn? I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm going to leave a disclaimer. Read... You don't remember. Jim? Oh, you don't remember no. that? That's no, I don't. He, I never okay, read Huckleberry he, He's on the raft, and he meets the, the former slave. His name's Jim. 
I said it again. again. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, like, but yeah, like a bunch of those. Books. But there are people like, that are trying to go out and change, like Mark Twain's writing, and and I I do kind of have an issue with that. I don't think that's right. Right. But the fact that it's about the context. He was a freed yeah. slave. You know what I mean? Like that's the point that was being driven home. That that's what they're calling him, even though he was a freed slave. It's in the literature. I hate when people, when it comes to things like that, they pick and choose things out of context, like Dave Chappelle's special. When you watch that, he has nothing but love and respect for trans people. But if you only saw mainstream media, fuck me. He's a transphobe. You would think, yeah, that's why he calls himself that. He goes, yeah, I'm transphobic. Even though the entire (laughs) entire, last five minutes of the show is all about this heart-wrenching story of a... Star of his yeah. friend Daphne, who committed suicide. His trans yeah. friend Daphne, who committed suicide because she was dragged by the trans community. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. What did she say? Like, where he said he goes, yeah, "We've had a lot of fun, Daphne, but I still don't understand where the what the fuck you're talking <laughs> yeah. about." And then she yeah. said, "I don't need you to understand me. I just need you to know I have a, I'm having a human experience like you are." Fuck, that's true. That's, a, that's some of the truest words you can under, you can hear. So speaking of, uh, since I was talking about uh, the education system and them just spending so much money with not getting anything mm-hmm. done, let's talk about Elon Musk calling out the UN and they're saying, oh, why can't you give us $6 billion? This is absolutely fantastic because y- you, you always hear about, <clears throat> oh my God, all we need is this much money and we can fix this problem. And Elon is the kind of guy that kind of uh, really kind of put those types of statements in perspective. I like to call these people limousine liberals. These are like these like there white middle class liberals that the, yep, the liberal yeah, they want to like get on Twitter and piss and moan about racism in Alabama without actually, you know, fucking doing anything, anything about it as if they're making some sort of difference. Uh, people, I don't remember. Was it a, a specific uh, tweeter that said that called out Elon Musk about ending world I think hunger. So I didn't actually see that. I didn't see the tweet thread. I didn't look it up. I just heard. I caught whiff of it, and then when I googled Elon Musk six billion, I found news articles about it. But earlier this week, CNN reported that the executive director of the United Nations World Food Program said two percent of Elon Musk's wealth could solve world Limousine hunger. So it was the director of the United Nations. And then they said, NPR goes, unsurprisingly, (laughs) I love how they use that word. Musk fired back on Twitter and tweeted, if World Food Program can describe on this Twitter thread exactly how 6 billion will solve world hunger, I will sell Tesla stock right now and do it. Yeah, and that's what makes it so perfect. Elon's sitting there going... Oh, he fucking told me. He's like, I'll pay for it. Just show me. Give me the receipts. A, A to Z. Like, show me exactly what the plan is from from A to Z, how we're going to end world hunger. And I will, I will, essentially, I will write a check right now is basically what he said. Yeah. The guy has on CNN and he's like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy because we do have all of it. And we're going to, I can't wait to talk to Elon, but I haven't heard anything because else about bullshit. it. Because it's bullshit. But. Because yeah, anytime, anytime. Just, when these, you're, cause yeah. Here's the thing. You you have so many homeless people in the greater LA area, right? To where there's there's cities of tents, 
in L.A. County of homeless people. Yet California spends more money every single year per capita than any state in the United States. In fact, more than some countries, as far as I understand it. I know where you're going with this, and it is. It's bureaucracy, and then all of a sudden, no one in that – all those people that are making the money off of that, there's a bunch of people out there making a hundred grand a year to clean up homeless tent sites. Why would they want it to no, end? You man? wouldn't. Why would they want? I'm making their, money. Why would I want they, homelessness to end? I make money off homelessness. Give me that money, baby. You think they're people? Exactly. You, think, you know, because like, if I really wanted making to, making money off world hunger, hunger too. Come on. Right. Because if I really wanted to, I could end famine and hunger for probably two or three people for the entire year. Just by buying ramen yeah, we noodle have enough packs, food. just so they don't That's starve. Not the issue. Yeah, just so they don't starve. I could buy a couple of ramen noodle packs and give it to the same three or four homeless people every single day, and then they won't starve to death and they won't die. Now, is that that's surviving? That's not thriving. Sure, we can talk about quality of life, but quality of life is a different conversation when it comes to just feeding people. We could literally strip this down to bare bones and really actually feed everybody in the world. But then all of a sudden, you have to pay a surveyor. We have to take care of the fucking marketing. We got to make sure that like, da 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 is taken care of. We got to spend millions on a marketing team to make a cool-ass logo and a little mission statement you for our program. You have contracts with uh, flight we suppliers. We got to get Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> to come in. Fuel <laughs> fuel suppliers. You got to get airlines involved to transport the food. So you got to get... How much you got to get shipping carbon. involved. You got to first of all, shipping containers cost like forty times more than they did before COVID. So you got to buy a shitload of those to get food on these containers to take them overseas. I almost, I almost want to start. Should we just start a bullshit nonprofit? <laughs> just like just shoestring budget, it'd be called, and just we just spend like a thousand dollars a year and we literally just feed 10, 15 people in like one of the most impoverished countries in the world <laughs> for a whole year, just to prove a point. And like, we did it with 1200 bucks and we just saved 12 lives for a whole fucking year. Like it's, it sounds so trivialized, but like, but you can understand it's what I'm this, saying. It's not, it's- Those college students living on ramen noodle packs, you know, we could take care of people in other countries and help them survive. On way less, I bet you. I bet you we could. I don't want to say necessarily knock. No, I will. I'll say we could probably knock off a zero on that six billion and spend six million to make sure everyone at least has their stomach full. At yeah, the end of one the meal day. a day. One meal a day for everyone in the world. It's it's is it? It's practical. Yes, it's not thriving. It is surviving. But if we tackled every single issue like that How about one one meal spending. a day and one liter of water for everyone in the world oof oh man then we had to spend well, a couple bucks now you're talking about water <laughs> you're about to break them now i know i gotta change the whole fucking mission statement and the whole well, goddamn no, no, fucking no, no, logo no, no. now the climate change people are gonna get on our asses go yeah, i can't believe you're using all that plastic to transport that water to those to those hungry people i can't believe you're doing that fuck it we'll put it in <laughs> Goddamn glass bottles. I don't I'm care. such a nihilist sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. Fantastic. You know, so we're actually at an hour. Are, on are you ready for my monologue and call this thing a, a show? <laughs> yeah, I got to get going. I got a uh, candlelight vigil. All right. I'll get through this quickly, Corey. I think th- this ties right into uh, the the uh, the Yunkin McAuliffe uh Election. Perfect. What is that? What is that? That's where I was looking for. 
It's called Indoctrination. I don't know why I give the title, but it's just fun. Indoctrination. I get it's the not title, just too. them. Them in quotations. Recent polling from Real, Real Clear Politics and others has exactly hasn't exactly been awakening in the way that it should. It hasn't really been that surprising either. When it has shown that we can't, but it has shown that we can't continue to live in our democratic republic as we currently do. With 41% of Americans polled believing that Republicans are the biggest threat to American democracy, and 41% of Americans polled believing Democrats are the biggest threat to American democracy. 52% of Americans were polled as quote-unquote scared, and 48% polled as hopeful. 57% of Democrats were polled as believing Trump supporters are a threat to America while socialism is seen as a threat by 75% of Republicans who consume right-wing media. Now, to be honest, that last number of 75% was a poll that was taken by The Blaze. So take that for what you will. But the point still stands. (laughs) We can't continue to live this way. Living in a time where Americans think that other Americans are the biggest threat to democracy is is, is a terrifying proposition no matter how you slice it. Indoctrination is destroying our fabric. Culture wars, race, and gender are what dominate the news cycles of corporate media. But more importantly, perhaps, the camp, they, it, those things dominate the campaigns of our state and national political races. Politicians run on fear more than ever before, as seen in the Virginia gubernatorial race between Republican Glenn Youngkin and Democrat Terry McAuliffe with Youngkin edging out McAuliffe on November 2nd. Go back and look at the campaigns of these two governors. Watch how often McAuliffe's campaign refers to Trump and quote-unquote Trumpism as being an existential threat to democracy. Watch how many times Youngkin refers to Democrats as evil socialists, and watch how often he refers to Trump himself, but in a good way. You don't have to take my word for it. Just pull up their campaign ads from the closing days before the election. Trump derangement syndrome is still being played as the number one Trump card, no pun intended, by both of these out-of-touch, trash-ass political parties. Why does it matter? It's only a gubernatorial race in Virginia, after all. It matters because Virginia is a borderline purple state that has swung mostly blue in recent elections due to large Democratic voting population near the Washington, D.C. area. It matters because state politics and national politics have melded more and more in recent years. It's a warning shot across the bow of congressional Democrats, as well as the Biden administration, that is seeing its all-time low approval ratings in recent weeks. It matters because Trump and culture war issues are still the top thing that politicians are running on and still aren't. And we still aren't demanding better. Looking looking all across social media, you see, quote unquote, liberals. And I use that term very loosely when referring to people who vote Democrat and conservatives alike are constantly voting. I'm sorry, are constantly making accusations about the other team, calling them, quote unquote, indoctrinated. If you're a Democratic voting liberal, you're indoctrinated into the cult of wokeism. You support socialism or even communism. You want free shit. You're lazy. You don't want to work for your money. And you think the entire world should be non-binary or trans. You, you think Trump is literally Hitler. 
If you're a Republican voting conservative, you're a racist. You want to overturn Roe v. Wade. You want to make gay marriage illegal again. You think Donald Trump is literally Jesus. You think trans folks should all be thrown into a death camp. If you're in either one of these voting bases, go back and read the last 11 sentences and consider, or listen to, I should say in this case, the last 11 sentences and consider how many of them you agree with. I'll wait. You're indoctrinated. All of you. None of those 11 sentences are actually true in a vacuum. At least one of those sentences are being used in political campaigns to get you to vote one way or another. Here's the issue. None of it fucking matters. None of it has anything to do with your everyday life on average. Now, before you freak out and assume that I'm saying that trans rights don't matter or that everyone should have an abortion, take a deep breath. I said on average. On average, things like infrastructure, military spending, taxation of the middle and lower class, climate wage inequity are things that are that will affect your everyday life but how often do you really see folks especially on social media discussing these things when you're casting your vote are you considering the name you're filling in in that bubble to be helpful and honest regarding these things or are you considering them to be a savior against the evil of the person in that other bubble you may trick yourself into thinking you're voting for Trump's economy until you realize that he just injected more Fed money into Wall Street, just as his predecessor had done, artificially driving down interest rates and boosting your portfolio. Really, though, you're just afraid of socialism and woke culture. You may trick yourself into voting for Joe Biden because he's going to expand Medicare, erase student debt and end poverty. Really, though, you're just afraid and you have Trump derangement syndrome as evidenced by the trash infrastructure slash reconciliation bill that may pass, but won't have anything important left to build on. You're indoctrinated. With Youngkin winning the gubernatorial race in Virginia and turning the Commonwealth red for the first time since 2009, we sit and wait for the predictable. The Democrats to botch their power because they don't actually care about you, lose big in the 2022 midterms, lose the presidency in 24 by a close margin, and blame you, the voters, again, with no regard for what actually matters. But don't worry, Democrats. The Republicans inevitably will take back power, and they will repay the favor by making campaign promises that they have no intention of keeping in order to get elected. They'll barely win, and we'll start the cycle all over again. Because when your voter base is indoctrinated, they don't feel the need to get out and vote in the same numbers as they do when their party is in power. It's a cycle, a cycle of Americans against Americans in their indoctrinated silos, a cycle that China, Russia, and others are looking at and relishing. Why do they need to turn on us? Why do, they, why do those countries need to hurt us when all we do is hurt ourselves? We can demand better and take back the power, or we can seal our fate. You choose. You're right. <clears throat> so if I had the blame thing hit home, because <laughs> of the fact that I've been voting third party the last two it's cycles. your fault, Corey. Dude, uh, 2016, November 3rd, <laughs> I had people shaking their head at me because I voted third party and we got Trump. 
2020. People shaking their head at you. I had Republicans shaking their head at me because I didn't vote Trump because <laughs> I voted third party. And it is. It's absolutely, it's mind boggling to me that it's, it is. It's this tit for tat thing that like we need to break this cycle. And I think that's what the premise of shows like ours are shows like Breaking Points, shows like Jimmy Dore, uh, even Crystal and Kyle. Um, this isn't working. It's Dan. not working. This isn't fucking you can't working. Keep living this way. Because you know what this leads to? Trump's and Biden's. Yeah. 330 million people in this country, and we're stuck with a Biden? And 330 million people in this country, and we're stuck with it a Trump? It perpetuates the obvious corporate oligarchy that we live in. This isn't a democracy anymore. It yeah. hasn't been a democracy since the early 80s. We're just now catching on. I hope we catch on faster. The problem is, I think the establishment in both parties has realized... Don't want us no, to catch on. No, I think on. they've realized that we're catching on. And they're scared. And they think the, the, the solution is to pit us against each other. Because if we're, yep. if, we're, if we're slamming into each other and punching each other in the face... I've said it 40 times on this show. I'm going to keep saying it. Then we're not punching, then we're not them, punching in the them in the face. So you choose. Yep. Exactly. I know, Corey. You got to go. So where can the people find us on so, social? Yep. So first I'll go with that. Uh, we are on social media. We're on Facebook at Libservative. We are on Instagram and Twitter at LibservativePod. Uh, our WordPress where you can find our monologues, like Dan's, who is just so beautifully eloquently read, you can find the transcript of it on LibservativePodcast.wordpress.com. You can find our podcast on all platforms of any of your choosing that you decide to listen to. Um like, comment, share, let us know what you think. Give us a five-star review. It helps us get boosted up to where other people can listen to this show if you like it and you want other people to see it. And then I'm not going to ask you to share the page and expose yourself to this extremist content. <laughs> just <laughs> just tell a friend about us. Um, and then for my monologue, in lieu of a monologue, I have a shot here. And it's funny because this shot glass is... It's the shot glass we always... So, I'm taking a shot from my cousin who just died recently and no one else can see it, but it's just such, it's such an obnoxiously ridiculous shot it looks glass. Like, it looks like a ceramic bear head, head with a shot glass inside the mouth. And it just says, bite me, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> and so this was the shot glass we always gave my cousin David whenever he came over to drink. So I'm going to do a shout out of it for him. And then we're going to call gonna it a show. It Cheers to David. I'll put one in there. Here's the David. I'll put one down. Ah. And until next time. Love you, cuz. See you on the other side. And until next time, this has been Libs. We're going to say it at the same time today. He's Corey Walsh. (laughs) And he is Dan Griffin. (laughs) And until next time, we're out of here.